0: this episode is brought to you in part by wholehearted love a new book by caleb and stephanie rouse overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with god and with others and delight in feeling safe seen and loved with wholehearted love for more information go to tyndale.com
1: we need to be like water in a desert we need to be welcoming and loving and accepting and give them a soft place to land where they can recover and grow in their life and be discipled and grow in their spiritual journey. But it all starts with that first visit and we just don't know when that first visit will be.
2: Hi, I'm Carl Vaders and I'm a small church pastor, and welcome to Can This Work in a Small Church. My podcast guest today is Greg Atkinson, and the subject is first impressions. Greg is one of the world's leading voices in first impressions for churches. He actually goes from church to church as a secret shopper to help these churches figure out what they're doing well and what they could do better. But He usually does that in big churches because that costs a lot of money to fly him in to pay all the expenses. So, in the meantime, he wrote a book called Secrets of a Secret Shopper that's specifically for small and mid-sized churches. And, in fact, Greg is a part of a small church plant right now. So, in this conversation, Greg and I talk about everything from the importance of our online presence to how everyone is really on the First Impressions team in a smaller congregation, why small churches need to work even harder on making first impressions than our big church friends, plus a few tips for small churches to increase their first impressions with little or no money. And don't forget to stick around when the interview is done. I'll come back with an overview of the content and an answer to the question, can this work in a small church? Hey, Greg, good to have you with us today.
1: Hey, good to be here.
2: You are a busy man, and I appreciate the time that you've taken away from a lot of things going on. Um, You're a busy man because uh, first impressions has become a big deal recently. When when, when you and I were coming up, the word first impressions wasn't used, right? It was was ushers. It was uh, greeters. It was, and then somebody, I don't know, it's been maybe 10 years ago, somebody figured out all of this is about making a good first impression. And all of a sudden it became the term. And it's one of those new terms that I love because it's really accurate. Right. Right. It really is about making the best possible first impression, isn't it?
1: Yes. I think it'd be probably attributed to Disney and their focus on guest services and then restaurants coming out like Chick-fil-A with a big focus on uh, making people feel welcome, and then we just started to see this occur in the local church.
2: Yeah, yeah. So let's just jump right into it with the big overall question: Why do first impressions matter in a church?
1: First impressions matter uh, to me primarily because I see it as a biblical mandate. You know, when I when I talk about first impressions or guest services, my focus is on hospitality. You know, I wrote a hospitality ministry handbook, and I go into the history of hospitality and the biblical mandate of hospitality. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, we're instructed to welcome a stranger and to practice hospitality. And as you know, whether you're um, a pastor, elder, bishop, you know, the requirements in 1 Timothy and Titus are that you practice hospitality. It's something God takes very seriously. And so, Some translations say welcome the newcomer, but in Leviticus and and Hebrews, it talks about uh, welcoming the stranger. And then Jesus himself said, you know, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. And so uh, that language is all throughout scripture that we're to welcome those that feel outside um, and so uh, when I think of people coming to the local church, whether it's a small, medium or a large church, we want them to feel welcomed and accepted and loved.
2: Yeah, I, I love that about the way you've always approached this, because while the term, as we talked about, first impression may have come out of corporate world or Disney or Chick-fil-A or whatever, the idea of hospitality is... Deeply rooted biblical principle. I mean, it's it's not a secondary issue at all. Welcome the stranger is is pretty core to the essence of the gospel. You 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 you. There are very few things that are are more uh, central to our our understanding of of uh, of the gospel message than uh, than welcoming the people in from the outside. I mean, that, that was maybe even the the primary thing that scandalized. Uh, the people around Jesus was he was like, uh, no, we're 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 opening the doors now. Everybody's welcomed in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's what this whole new covenant thing is all about. Is that it's not just about a select few anymore. It's not about people who are born into a particular ethnicity or tribe or whatever. Now it's open to absolutely everybody, and absolutely. and it's welcoming the stranger in. So for a local congregation, where does the the first first impression happen now? Going from chronologically, what what's the main place that people make the first, first impression about a local congregation?
1: Uh, people check you out online before they ever come in person. And uh doesn't matter if you're a small church or a large church, doesn't matter if you're a church plant. I know some church planners that uh, won't launch until their website is perfect. The first impression starts online. People want to check you out and see. I remember. Uh, showing people in my Facebook group that you at your church had created a tour, a virtual tour that people could see uh, mm-hmm. your 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 uh, your facility layout, your campus layout uh, before they ever visited. And so people want to feel, they want to see what the pastor looks like. They want to see what the staff looks like. They want to find out what they need to wear and what the service is going to be like. And so uh, and then now a lot of people with uh, live streaming and church online are watching services online to see if they like it before they actually come try it in person. Yeah, Coming out of 2020 and COVID.
2: Let's to touch on that for a moment, because in the last year and a half, that has been the uh, big change a year and a half ago before COVID. What you're talking about, they would check it out online. They'd go. W- what I found out recently was one of the most visited pages on a church's website is the staff page. Absolutely. So make sure your staff page is up to date. That the pictures are nice. That you're accurately describing who you've got on your staff. Because it's. It, I th- I think I heard that next to the home page, or maybe third home page, then the sermon page. The staff page is a really highly visited place.
1: Yeah. Some people say it's the most visited page on a church staff website. They want to see what you look like. They want to see uh, male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. They want to see your ethnicity. They want to see what, if you're an older congregation, if you're a younger congregation, is the, is the pastor in his 40s, is, is he in his 60s? They, they want to know this stuff. And and in today's world where you can browse online and shop online and find nearly everything you could ever want on Amazon, people are used to checking out stuff online. It's just the technological world we live in.
2: Yeah. In the last year and a half to two years now, not only do people check uh, the, the church website out and check out the church Facebook page, but I'm guessing that they're probably watching a sermon or two online before they ever step foot in the building to hear a sermon? Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. So, have you noticed in the last year and a half, would you say there are two or three pieces of advice, maybe mistakes you see regularly that got to stop repeating or things that, that some churches are doing well that we could use? What would be two or three big pieces of advice that you'd say to the average small church pastor about doing our online service presentation better?
1: Well, I would start with the absolute basic, and this is as fundamental as you can get, and that is to simply do it. You know, I, I am now, uh, I'm a executive pastor at a small church plant, five-year-old church plant there in the Charlotte area. They run about 80 people. And before that, I was greatly involved serving as a volunteer, almost like an executive pastor at a small church plant of about 40 people. and was very involved there and during covid the first three weeks the pastor showed facebook live and i would stay at home and watch and felt connected and felt plugged in and then the third the fourth week i i tuned in to watch the service and there was no facebook live he had cut the camera off and uh just decided we're not going to do online anymore we're not going to do facebook live and so i felt greatly disconnected yeah. Uh, because you know I went from March until March without traveling and from March into March without going to to church in person uh the first service I went back to my home church was Palm Sunday of 2021 uh and I had gone from March of 2020 until March of 2021 without flying on an airplane and it was being very Kate, as you as you know you had asked off camera you know how my health is doing have health issues, but I had to be very cautious with my immune system. But I felt very disconnected from my home church when they cut the camera off and there was no more Facebook Live. And so did many people. They actually lost about three-fourths of their congregation. Wow! So he was preaching to about 12 people in the room and everybody else that would have watched online wasn't able to watch online because the camera wasn't on. So, um, but on the flip side, this church that I'm, I'm a part of now in Charlotte, a church of 80 people does a lot with church online and they have a very well produced, they have a pre-show and a post-show. They have a, they have a a host, they have a, a MC, they have a, they have an intro video. They're, they're really pushing the bounds creatively and technologically um, to create a great online experience, even though, of course, we want people to show up in person and to come worship with us. But they, the pastors really put a, a great emphasis on the online experience. And so I really respect him for that because there have been some weeks where I wasn't able to make it and I watched online at home.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm obviously the COVID situation uh, am- amplified and accelerated the need for that. But I think also what I'm noticing is uh, the technology changes, and then we need to understand how the technology changes what people expect. So like two, three years ago, if you weren't offering an online service, especially if you're a smaller congregation, even the people who aren't attending your church would go, well, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's a small church. It's a really, you know, expensive and technically complicated thing to, you know, air your church live online, let's say four or five years ago or whatever. But today, literally anybody in the service <laughs> can turn their phone on you hit facebook live and you're going there live so the the, the on ramp to do it is is so low that if you're not doing it, it 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 to me it comes across as well if you're not doing something that's that easy then do you really even want people in uh, it's not even anymore that they might not be able to but the absence of it is not neutral anymore it's actually a negative in my mind
1: yeah, it was a definite negative. In my situation, it felt like a slap in the face. Uh, I, I remember, you know, my pastor at the, my home church is is one of my best friends. And um, he said, Greg, I want the people to come in person. I don't want to cut a camera on and, and broadcast online. I want them there in the room. And this was in the height of COVID. Yeah. And the pastor and his entire family ended up getting COVID and getting very sick. And his wife is still very sick. And I had begged him to uh, to just... When when COVID first started, he was pre-recording a sermon and broadcasting it on Sunday, and it was very safe and welcoming. And um, uh, and but then he just he it's it's some of the stuff that I know you've heard Carrie Newhoff talk about where there's no more going back to normal. It's not like it used to be, and so his mindset didn't shift. His mindset didn't change. Of I want people back in the room. I don't want the camera on and. You know, I spoke at the Church Online Summit, and I said there will always be a camera on from here on out. We'll always be speaking to people in the room and people far away that are watching online uh, to uh, always be aware of the camera and as we preach, as we teach, as we sing, as we lead worship, that people are going to be watching in the room and out of the room.
2: Yeah. Okay. Then after the after the electronic first impression, and we could go into this for sure. you know, pot, several podcasts worth, but we'll move along. When they do finally physically show up to the facility, what are, what are some? What are some of the the? Because we're talking about first impression, and again, I want to. I'm on a pause here for everybody who's listening because there occasionally will be a, 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 a bit of a pushback. When we're talking about first impressions, occasionally I get this pushback of, well, you know, what about the gospel? What about what we're not, we're talking about before they get to the gospel, <laughs> right? We're, we're, I'm, I'm going to assume of everybody, every pastor who's listening that you're preaching an awesome sermon. I'm just going to go under that assumption, whether it's true or not. We want to get them to the point where they're hearing it, <laughs> right? So th- these are not things that save people, but if, they're not done right. They can put up a roadblock to them hearing the gospel and to them having the opportunity to ask Christ into their life because we didn't do the first impressions correctly. So yeah. there is no salvation in a first impression, but with a bad first impression, you can actually put up a roadblock to the gospel.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, my, my friend Mark Walsh, he wrote the book First Impressions, and uh, he's speaking at our fall First Impressions conference. I'm glad to have him back. Uh, he has the famous quote, you know, you have 10 minutes somewhere from the parking lot till the children's ministry, those 10 minutes pass, they need to know they matter to us before they hear they matter to God. Yeah. And so uh, they need to know they matter to us. And, you know, Danny Franks, who's at the Summit Church with J.D. Greer, you know, he wrote a great book called People Are the Mission, and he talks about embodying the gospel and living the gospel. The gospel isn't just words. It's not just uh, yes, there's there's aspects of it of a herald and proclaiming and speaking uh, the good news. However, we also can live the good news and be the hands and feet of Christ. And so, if we don't welcome people with our lives, with our personhood, with our being, uh, to welcome people, you know, what does it say if people show up to our congregations and they get a cold shoulder? They need to know that they're welcomed and loved and accepted and known and seen, and and so for me, I can't think of anything. You know, I've spent the last several years involved in in very small churches, being a part of church plants, and the last three years, a church of forty people, and we had a a, a greeters team and greeters that wore t shirts that said hello and yard signs and and pop signs and. And put a, put a lot of emphasis in it because, you know, Carl, if I go to a large church, which this week I'll be consulting with a large church in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota, but uh, I can hide in that church. I, I know I talked to my contact who's bringing me in and she said, we want you to evaluate the Saturday night service. It's smaller and kind of has a small church feel. And then we want you to come to our two Sunday morning services, which are, it's a large church. And so I'll get to experience two different vibes. But if I go to a typical large church, I can hide. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can be anonymous. I can sneak in. I can, I can walk into a room with thousands of people and get lost and sit in a pew or a chair and, and not be seen or interacted with. However, if I go to a small church like my church of 40 or now 80 people, they know, hey, that guy's new. And it's very awkward because I know they know. Uh, I walk in and everybody's looking at me like, who is this guy? We know our 40 and you're not one of them. (laughs) And so uh, it's very, very important for a small church to take first impressions. You know, when I think of it, so for me, this is the way I break it down when i think of guest services in a large church and i typically consult with mega churches i'm thinking of wayfinding signage i'm thinking of parking i'm thinking of finding my way to the restroom finding my way to the auditorium because i have been in buildings so large that i couldn't even find the auditorium you know so finding my way around and and feeling it's it's what Andy Stanley talks about and what you just alluded to, removing those roadblocks and barriers and obstacles. However, when I go into a small church, then it becomes about hospitality and welcoming and friendliness. Tom Rayner talks about this and has written a lot about this in, in his one of his more recent books, uh, talked about research that they had done at Lifeway and that he had he had done a, a bunch of research into Um, polling guests that had left churches and finding why they they left the church. And it was because nobody talked to them. Because when you go to a small church, uh, you want want somebody to acknowledge you and to to welcome you and to notice you. Uh, I had a a pastor friend of mine here locally that uh, was preaching at a church with 12 people, 12 people. And he had me come do a secret shopper and one person, the pastor's wife spoke to me. So 11 people ignored me and one person spoke to me. So that feels like a bad visit. You know, if I walk in a room with 12 people and nobody notices me and nobody speaks to me and nobody acknowledges me. So then it comes down to just a very basic concept of friendliness, being welcoming, and so when I reached out to my First Impressions conference speakers, I said, we want to we encourage people to create welcoming environments. And that translates to any size, whether you're small or large, you want to create welcoming environments. Yeah.
2: And now a 20-second break to talk about something else. If you like the content you're hearing, here are two things you can do for us. First, forward this podcast to a friend. Secondly, consider becoming a Patreon partner. For as little as $3 a month, you can help us put these resources into the hands of ministries that need it the most. Our Patreon link is in the show notes. This episode
0: is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone, so health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org.
1: And that translates to any size whether you're small or large, you want to create welcoming environments.
2: Yeah, I mean, The smaller the church is, the more I think it's true that in a small church, there's not really a first impressions team. Everybody's on the first impressions team. Right? Because <laughs> right? in, in a big church, it is, as, as you said, it's really about... It's about the technical excellence of it. It's about signage. It's about it's about uh, make sure the systems are in place. And obviously, in addition to that, you want the friendliest people in those places. So it, sure. it, it's not that it's devoid of friendliness, but people expect a certain level of technical excellence in their first impressions in a large church. But in right. a smaller congregation, it is as you said. It is completely about the friendliness of the people, and not just the people on the team who are given the assignment today. You're on the on the first impressions team, but it's about literally every. Single person they see and either do or do not talk to, who either does or does not come and greets them. And the smaller the church is, the more every single person in the room matters in the way they make a first impression about that congregation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in Tom Rayner's book and his research, he said that once the guests get past the parking team and past the front door greeters and past the ushers and they sat down in the congregation, the reason they didn't come back was because nobody spoke to them. It was once they'd got past all the quote professionals and they sat down in the congregation, nobody came up and said, Hey, my name's Greg. What's your name? I've never seen you before. Or I'd like to like to, you know, get to know you, or um uh just striking up a conversation. So, you know, when I do a secret shopper, I actually have a thing on my form that rates the people friendliness. I wanna know whether it's a small church or large church, or is the congregation friendly? Because the pastor wants to hear about that. He wants to know, how did we come across? How did our congregation come across to an outsider? Again, welcome the stranger, that biblical concept.
2: So let's talk to the average small church, a small church pastor. What what would be a couple steps that you would give as advice to the typical small church pastor who's listening to this now and saying, okay, our church needs to become more friendly to the outsider. We're a friendly church to ourselves. That's why we're all here, because this is where our friends are. What are a couple things they can do to become a more welcoming congregation that isn't that's going to cost little or no money, but that in fact is really going to be about turning up the the hospitality in the congregation?
1: Yeah, here's a leadership tip that I've shared before that uh, costs no money. I think pastors and leaders need to be efficient and effective at. leading conversations with three types of groups. That is a large group, a small group, and one-on-one. And so to go to a small group of people in a congreg- large group would be something you say from the pulpit, like an announcement. However, you don't want to um, announce from the pulpit, hey, everybody, I need you to be friendly because when- we have a guest here today. You, know, you don't want to call <laughs> yeah. attention. To the guests, you don't want to embarrass them. You don't want to ask them to stand up, and, and might as well just that.
2: shine a laser straight in their eyes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. When I grew up, you know, I got the visitor badge, the visitor uh, mm-hmm. ribbon. If I can communicate to a small group of people and say, "Here's what I need from you. You're you're going to be unofficial greeters. I need I need you to float through the lobby and keep a lookout for somebody that you don't recognize." And make sure that at least somebody talks to them before they leave. And then to be effective in one-on-one conversations. That's when you say, Bob, you're one of the friendliest people I know. I would really love for you to make uh, contact with with a newcomer if you see them. I remember when I pastored uh, a small congregation in uh, Missouri, one of my elders who would go up to, and he, he was, he was wealthy and he was, he was a very generous man, but he would go up to a newcomer and say, uh, hi, my name is, uh, Paul. And another guy, Dexter, did the same thing. Hi, my name is Dexter. Could I take you to lunch today? Um, you know, and, 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 and just say, you know, Hey, I don't know you, but I'd love to get to know you. Could I buy you lunch today after, after the service and about nine out of 10 times he went to lunch with somebody um, people love a free meal. I love a free meal. I'm a friend for life if you buy me a meal. <laughs> so um, th- there was, there's was times where somebody would come up, uh, Paul or, or Dexter would come up to, to a guest and say, uh, hi, we'd love to take you to lunch today and get to know you. And that, had, that goes a long way towards getting people plugged in because if they have a friend, if they get to know somebody, then they return and as as you know Nelson Searcy says if they come back for a second visit they're 80% more likely to get plugged in and stay and make a decision for Christ so we want them to to strike up friendships to get uh to know people relationally and uh to return for a second visit
2: okay so cuz what you're saying is in to me feels like a little an interesting but i think important contrast in the smaller congregation like i said everybody is really on the first impressions team but if you've got an older congregation or if you've got one that has gone through some difficult seasons or whatever and it's it's unhealthy it's unfriendly and you're having some resistance to the idea of getting some old time members to get out of their pew and sit you know actually go up to somebody does does it how much of the general distance of a congregation can be overcome by Training and assigning one or two people to just be that kind of friendly, like, okay, I didn't talk. I, there were twenty people in the congregation. Seventeen of them didn't, them didn't talk to me, but the three who did were so friendly, were so nice. They sat with me. They saw saw me afterwards. They brought me over a coffee. They they did whatever. Is is that something that can overcome the general kind of neutral? I'm not going to call it. I don't think that can over overcome an unfriendly church. <laughs> but can they? Yeah, it, can it, it somewhat it, yeah. over? Overcome a neutral, Yeah. Can it, can it overcome a neutral church to a certain degree? And then can it serve as an example to the others to bring them along to become more friendly?
1: Yeah. It, it can serve an example and it can overcome a neutral. However, the bad, it's, it's hard to overcome the bad. You know, when I talk about pastors and I've said this for years in my coaching, when I talk about pastors being effective, in uh, large group leadership, small group leadership, in one-on-one, that's to deal with the unfriendly people. You don't want to, uh, you know, chide them from the this pulpit and call them out. However, um, I could go to lunch one-on-one with Bob and say, Bob, what's the deal? You, you've been in church your whole life. You know about the fruits of the spirit. You know about the people that Jesus ate with and what it means to be a Christ follower, why, you know, I, I, we all have those horror stories of somebody sitting down in somebody's pew where they say, Hey, this is my pew. This is my seat. Mm-hmm. You're in my seat, you know, but where do people get off acting like that? When we don't see this in the Bible, we don't see this in a Christ followers characteristics or, or, or personhood um, and it's not it's not part of the fruit of the spirit. And so, to be able to have effective small group and one on one conversations with people to say, "Hey, I need you on board. I need you. I need you on on the team. I need you to make a, a, a positive impression on people. And if they sit in your seat, they sit in your seat. Just let them have it. We want them to feel welcome. That's the most important thing. To have those heart to heart one on one conversations, I can't tell you. I have been having those hard conversations since the early nineties when I first started in ministry uh, when I was uh, a teenager talking to people in their seventies and telling them uh, how, how they could, how mm-hmm. could they, how could they uh, improve their impression? Uh, I mean, I've been at this a long time uh, coming up on 30 years, but um it's it's not easy. It's it's leadership. It takes strong leadership, but to have a, a, a strong one-on-one conversation with somebody when it's needed.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 would that be, in your mind, one of the biggest challenges that it is for First Impressions in a smaller congregation is... You do really have to get so many people on board, percentage-wise, of the congregation. Like, if you're in a big church, you've got to get the first impressions team on board with it, because you walk into a church of a thousand, nobody expects you to have a hundred conversations. <laughs> right. You no, know, if you can have five or six people, so you're talking, you know, you know, 0.5 percent of the congregation says hi to you, and the rest of them just you know wander on by, because half of them may be new too. You don't know. But the smaller the church is, the higher a percentage of friendliness there needs to be. So we've talked about the pastor who's trying to get the church friendlier. What would you say to the small church pastor who says, well, you know what? we got the small church, and we're in the small town, and we don't get any visitors anyway, so why should I work hard on first impressions when we don't have anybody to have a first impression with because it's just a few of us? What would you say to them?
1: Eventually, it will be somebody's first Sunday. Uh, I've always tried to encourage people that somebody's going to walk through the door today for the first time. And they need to see and feel and know and experience the love of Christ. And, um, you know, I pastored in a small town of 13,000 people uh, in Missouri and inherited a congregation of 125 people. And um, we did a lot of Facebook ads. We we did a lot of social media marketing and reaching out and growing the church. And then we also uh, worked on our first impression and what people experience. We never know. One, when somebody's gonna walk through the front door, but two, what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with, if it's their last hope, if mm-hmm. this is their last chance before they go take their life, maybe they're they're just giving God one last chance before they end their life. and we need to be like water in a desert. We need to be uh, welcoming and loving and accepting and give them a soft place to land where they can, uh, recover and grow in their life and be discipled and grow in their spiritual journey. But it all starts with that first visit. And we just don't know when that first visit will be.
2: You went real heavy there, huh? Uh-huh. right? And there, there could be somebody out there just kind of wanting to roll their eyes and dismiss it, right? Oh, we got to make a first impression because there may be somebody walking in who's suicidal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Churches are one of the kinds of places suicidal people go to. Uh, we have a higher likelihood of that than 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 the average place does percentage wise, and you know, is is there likely there there might be a suicidal person at the movie? Sure, but they're not going to the movies for help from that. They're they're going for, for a movie maybe for an escape from that, or they're going to a restaurant because they got to eat in the meantime. But if you but if you are in that situation, and there are a lot more people out there in those situations in those dire circumstances than we realize. And they walk into a small church. I mean, first of all, walking into a church alone, on your own for the first time is brutally hard, yes. but it is exponentially more difficult the smaller the church is. It is. So if someone takes the kind of mental and emotional effort to walk into our congregations for the first time, they are expressing a desire For something, for a desire for Christ, even if they don't know how to express it as a desire for Christ yet, they're expressing a desire for Christ on a huge level because of the amount of intimidation that it is simply to walk in the door. And if we don't have the, if we haven't taken the time to prepare to greet them and to make the rest of their journey towards Christ as easy as possible, I, I, we may literally be failing people in. Circumstances of potential suicide, self harm people who are looking for escape out of an abusive situation. I mean, the circumstances that are out there right now, and this is not just big city stuff. Rural pastors, in fact, may be facing this more than big city pastors are because joblessness, uh, meth addiction, single parenthood, depression, all of these things are as as relevant in a rural context as they are in a big city context. And you have no idea the burden that people are carrying when they walk in. And if we wait until they walk in, going back to the question that I had with you earlier for the pastor who says, Well, you know, we don't have people come in, so why should we worry about it? Well, you can't put together the first impressions team after the person walks in. <laughs>
1: right. I wanted to address that because two things. One, I've always said people that walk through the doors of a local church for the first time, one, they're they're extremely brave. Two, they're making a spiritual decision whether they recognize it or not. It's a huge spiritual decision they may not be aware of it. When somebody gives for the first time, it's a huge spiritual decision. When they decide to get baptized or commit their life to Christ, but when they walk through the doors of the church, it's a spiritual decision, whether they realize it or not. And Nelson Searcy, who you know, always encourage people to read the book Fusion, but Nelson spoke at our first First Impressions Conference. And um, you know he talked about this concept of what he calls the concept of spiritual, the principle of spiritual readiness. And that is where people say, well, we don't have any guests. And he, he teaches it like, well, God, God is waiting for you to be ready to and prepared spiritual readiness, ready and prepared for guests so that he can send them your way so that you can steward them well in churches that take it seriously and prepare. It's like a boy scout, be prepared. The churches that prepare and are spiritually ready they seem to be overflowing with guests. When I pastored a small church here in the Charlotte area, we had six to eight guests a week. And we were a small congregation, but every week we averaged six to eight guests. But we, were, we had a principle principal spiritual readiness. We were ready and prepared. We had a gift. We had a connection card. We had a process. And we were prepared to welcome them and meet them where they were.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how people show up to churches that are ready to receive them and do not show up to churches that are not ready to receive them. Right. Yeah. So we got to ready the nets. All right. So much here and so many different places we could go, but I want to get to the lightning round questions here for you. So are you ready for the lightning round? I am. Okay. Uh, Question number one, what are the biggest changes you've seen in your field of ministry in the last few years and how have you adapted to it?
1: I think what we f- originally first started talking about at the very beginning of the podcast of what first impressions and guest services looked like when I was first coming up and you just had ushers that handed out bulletins as to now where you have full parking teams and section host and a welcome center and, you know, all, all the stuff that happens now with uh, greeters holding up pop signs and official teams and ministries. And and that's why we started the first impressions conference to to be able to offer resources to, to people to build these teams because they didn't exist before. Uh, when I first started out in ministry, uh, you, there was, there was not the position of first impressions director or guest services director. Um, uh, you know, I was minister of music and youth, you know, there wasn't, uh, you know, who's going to oversee the greeters and the parking team. We didn't have a parking team. And so I've seen that really evolve.
2: Okay, great. Secondly, what free resource like an app or a website has helped you lately that you'd recommend for small church ministry?
1: Uh, I would encourage people to go to firstimpressionsconference.com because we have free resources on there. We have a First Impressions download uh, resource bundle, and you can download the bundle for free. It also includes uh, editable connection cards uh, that you can use at your church. Uh, You can put your logo on it and edit it and make it however you want it to be to use for a connection card. But, um, we're coming up with our, we're, we're preparing and getting ready to launch next week. And it will be launched when this comes out our fall first impressions conference. And it's totally free. It doesn't cost anything. It's the first, this is our sixth first impressions conference and it's the first one we've ever done for free. And so, um, it's a, it's a completely free resource and, um, uh, would be a great tool for small churches and any church size, really, to um, to learn more about this ever-growing ministry.
2: Absolutely. Oh, that's great. No, I, and we will put uh, all of the uh, references to that in the show notes so that you can find it there. Uh, what is the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, my very first church in 1994. Uh, I was 18, and my uncle was a minister of music since the seventies. And he came to visit my small country church that I was on staff at. And uh, I wanted everything to be perfect to impress my uncle uh, who, had, who, was, who was somebody I looked up to and a mentor and had been a worship pastor since the seventies. And I went to lunch with him afterwards. I said, so what did you think? I, you know, cause I had I'd worked hard on the music and wanted to know what he thought. And he said, Greg walked slowly through the pews. I was rushing around so quickly trying to get everything ready and prepare everything that I was flying by people Mm. and not taking the time to stop and look people in the eye and say, how are you today and talk with them. And so it's it's ministry advice I've carried with me my whole career and wrote about in my first book, Walk Slowly Through the Pews.
2: I love that. And and the smaller the church is, the more important that is. Yeah because when I talk to small church members and I ask them why do you attend a small church by far the most common answer I get is I go to a small church because the pastor knows my name. Absolutely. It is important to be known by others. But yep. in the in the smaller a church is the more important the pastoral touch is. The simple thing like hey we t- you talked last week about you know, a hospital visit coming up or their their son leaving for college or whatever, and to follow up next week and say, how, how did it go last week? Or, yep. you know, we've been praying for you. Those little touches that let them know that you've remembered previous conversations and that you are a part of their life. I'm absolutely convinced that there's as much or more valuable ministry happening before and after services, especially in small congregations, in those conversations than there are for most of the sermons we preach. Yeah. Well, at least for I, most of the sermons I, I, I preach. I'll put that on me.
1: <laughs> I, I consulted with a a Baptist church here locally, and I saw a woman rushing around back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth like a chicken with her head cut off. And I, I said, that's a staff member. And afterwards <laughs> I asked the pastor, I said, who is that woman? He goes, oh, that's our children's minister. I said, well, she needs to slow down because she was rushing around so much. It was obvious to me that she was a staff member that was stressed out. And so- Walk slowly through the pews.
2: I love that. Uh, And then final, what's the funniest or weirdest thing you've ever seen in church?
1: This is not funny at all. I put it under weird or bizarre, but my first church, 1994, at the age of 18, country church, I was leading worship on a Sunday night and the pastor wasn't there. He had left me in charge of the service. And uh, this woman, uh, who I love dearly, started screaming out in pain and ended up, she was having a brain aneurysm right in the middle of the service. And uh, I asked people to call 911 and the ambulance came and took her off. I rode with her husband to the hospital. This is me as an 18-year-old college student, freshman in college. Um, people say, what, what was your college experience like? So uh, I'm standing next to this husband and the doctor comes out and says, she's got a 10% chance of making it through the night through the night. And she, uh, the man, the man falls in my arms and I catch him and hold him up because he just about fainted. And uh, I held him up and stayed with them throughout the entire night. And she ended up surviving and was in the hospital for about three months. But she survived and uh, was one of my favorite couples in that sweet uh, small country church that I served during college. But um, that was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen to have somebody have a brain aneurysm in the middle of a service.
2: Wow. Yeah, but those are the kinds of things that we go into ministry for, and especially when you're in a smaller congregation, to be there for those big moments in people's lives and to right. make those kinds of per, you know permanent long-term connections. They'll never forget that you were there anymore. Yeah, and the, the
1: hospital was right across the street from the college that I attended, so I could go over and visit her every day.
2: Yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, first of all, I highly recommend to all of our listeners your book, Secrets of a Secret Shopper. You specifically wrote it. Uh, Because, you know, when you go and you do uh, a secret shopper, mostly it's larger congregations that can afford to you know fly you in and pay your expenses and so on. Uh, But there's a whole bunch of small congregations out there that can't do that. So you wrote this book to help us and a whole bunch of great advice in there. So I highly recommend Secrets of a Secret Shopper by Greg Atkinson. Um, Where else can people find you online? You've got the... uh, you got the uh, First Impressions Conference coming up, which we'll put in the show notes. But uh, what else can people know about you online that they can find and get some resources? Yeah, from?
1: just check out my name, my blog, gregackinson.com. I blog uh, regularly uh, about resources, about ministry thoughts, about principles, about leadership tips. Um, so just gregackinson.com And then everything on social media is at gregatkinson. You can find me and connect with me, and I would love to interact with you.
2: And you've got a real strong presence online, a really helpful one, especially on Facebook, you run two or three, but particularly you run uh, it's not first impressions, what's it called the guest we can worship in
1: worship and guest services
2: weekend worship and guest services, which is a great place where you uh, where you can have conversations with others. It tends to lean, as I'm on it, towards those who actually have, like, who are, who are the head of the First Impressions team at their church, which means it leans a little larger. But we can still get great advice just from the conversations that go on there. So I really recommend Absolutely. make those kind of connections with you online, too. Appreciate your advice today. Uh, always good to be with you, Greg. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: You know, every time I talk with Greg, I feel like we only get to scratch the surface of all there is to learn, especially about this important topic of first impressions. But let's start where he starts. We always have to start there with the understanding that First Impressions is not some new corporate idea. There is an absolute biblical precedent for us to welcome the stranger, for us to be hospitable. And I love that that's where he starts everything in this. It's also great to know that one of the world's leading experts on First Impressions for Churches has been and still is very active in a small congregation. So, Let's take a look at the question in the title of our podcast. Can this work in a small church? Can we use the principles of making a first impression in a small congregation? And the answer today, of course, is a big, huge yes. Yes, if we do a handful of things well. First of all, we have to see it as an essential step in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Secondly, we have to use every tool we can, starting with our online presence, which thankfully is much easier to do now than it's ever done before but of course that makes it more necessary to do than it's ever been necessary to do before thirdly we have to recognize that first impressions in a smaller congregation is more about developing an attitude of hospitality than it is about the technical expertise and then fourthly this was quick at the end but it was a real big for me I think we need to recognize the courage that it takes for everyone who ever walks into your church front door for the first time, that it takes courage to do so, and that when they do so, they are already making a big spiritual decision. And we want to acknowledge that courage. We want to help them make their next spiritual decisions as easily as possible. And that's what First Impressions is all about. If you'd like to become a Patreon partner for as little as $3 a month and help put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need it the most, check out our Patreon link in the show notes. And if you want a transcript of this episode, it will be available within a few days of the podcast air date at christianitytoday.com slash Vaders. You can find that link in the show notes as well. This episode was produced by Veronica Beaver, edited by Jack Wilkins, original theme music written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com, podcast logo by Solomon Joy of Joyetic.com. And me, I'm Carl Vaders, and I'm a small church pastor.